and welcome back to the second episode of the Small Market Insecurities Podcast. It's your host, Phil Razor. I'm here with my co-host, Sky Ball. Sky, how are you doing today, man? Good, brother. How are you doing? I'm just living the dream one day at a time. we got a plethora of topics for you guys today, and you know we're looking forward to talking about some small markets, all the stuff that ESPN neglects to talk about. I guess we're going to start off this one, kind of like where we uh, you know, finished off the last one, talking about the new Crew Stadium. I was lucky enough to be there on Saturday, and it was electric. Oh, yeah. Actually, actually, uh, I did see you in one of the official pictures on the Twitter. You and uh, Sam were sitting right next to each other. Yep. We, we definitely made it on there. My buddy Corey was in it, too. We, uh, we, we had some great seats right there. We harassed. Did I see you on ESPN also? You probably did. I was probably giving some pleasant gesture to yeah, someone. It was a colorful display of aggression. <laughs> a col- but <laughs> Colorful display of aggression is a good way to put it. And, yeah, we, um, we had a great time. The crew, actually, it was funny. They dominated possession in the first half. And they went down 2 nothing against the New England Revolution, who had virtually no possession. And one of the Revolution players, the first goal scorer, you know, gave the quiet fingers, you know, to the crowd, told them to shush. Yeah, good luck with that, buddy. We just opened a new stadium. We're going to yell regardless. <laughs> and it was, yeah, after that it was on. Um, the crew ended up coming back and drawing 2-2 on an egregious own goal. I mean, it was just a, a catastrophic error by the... Yeah, I didn't get to watch the game, but I actually did get to see that play on... Uh one of the highlights, uh, or highlight reels. And I just remember sitting there thinking like, man, like as like when I played goalie, like if my defender did that, I would be ready to pull my hair out. Yeah, definitely not his brightest moment, uh, in a, in a major league soccer shirt. I know someone running suicides (laughs) after the game. (laughs) Exactly. And yeah, the, the Nordic and everybody else was, was letting him have it. Um, after the game crew goalie, Eloy room, who has played in the Dutch league for a long time, came out and said it felt like he was back home. And that is a ringing endorsement to not only the sports growth in America, but also a ringing endorsement to crew fans. And I am you know, very proud of the supporters for coming uh, out to the game. And the march beforehand was incredible. Yeah. It took me 30 minutes to get a drink at our bar before the game. That's how many people were. Oh, I mean, I'm not even surprised in the slightest no. by that. No, I mean, it was, it was kind of a gong show. So we had a blast there. It was, uh, it was definitely a wild time, and I'm looking forward to many more crazy nights at Lower.com Field. Yeah, and you're not the first person I've heard, or heard say that uh, it does kind of have that you know overseas feel now in the stadium. The mm-hmm. few people that I know that went. And just from the videos I saw, it's like, okay, well, I've always kind of thought the crew were a little bit more of like a European-style MLS team, like mm-hmm. the chanting and the way the, you know, the, the supporters club and mm-hmm. you know, all that good stuff. But now that we actually have a legitimate like European-style stadium, I think it just takes it to another level. The Nordic reminds me of a watered-down version of what Dortmund has. And, you know, they could build a massive wall with the same colors and the BVB and everything that they have. Well, I was going to say, I mean, we pretty much have the same uniform. We do. So that would be really cool to see in the future, but it definitely has a European architecture style. And, Did you um, also notice almost like the houndstooth pattern in the stands when you look at it from an aerial view? The seats. Yeah. Like, I thought that's probably my favorite part of the stadium from what I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. The amenities were top class, although the, the POS system went down. The second half, so it was kind of a I mean, what do you expect? kind of difficult to get a beer. But you know what? We'll give them a pass on the first game. They're gonna, you know, they got to work out the kinks. But it was definitely a great time. And I know if you live in the area or if you're a fan of another MLS team and you you know end up you know looking for a good away day, I highly recommend coming to Columbus to experience Lower.com Field. It has a great feel to it. So 
you know, a lot of great things went on Ohio. FC Cincinnati just put in their new stadium, TQL Stadium. and Oh, it's, I always forget that they were building one, too. Yep, the crew which opened theirs. And, you know, Austin FC, for as much as we hate them, or SC or whatever the hell they are, they can ride off into the sunset for all I care. Who cares, yeah. Um, they have a beautiful new stadium, too. So there's a lot of great things going on if you are a fan of the sport. Um, you know, talking about crazy fan bases and very passionate fan bases, as a Cincinnati Reds fan, let me tell you, I was thrilled to see both Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos elected as All-Star Game starters. Well, we was, were talking about last episode, we, were, we weren't sure if they were actually going to get the nod or not. It was, And they both did. It's the first time two Reds have started an All-Star Game since Joey Votto and Brandon Phillips in 2013. Also the first time two Reds outfielders have started an All-Star Game since legend Frank Robinson and Gus Bell were in the same Jesus. outfield for the 1956 yeah, National yeah. League All-Stars. So, which going to try and figure out the age gap there, but it's big. I could be wrong. I believe Willie Mays was the center fielder between those two gentlemen that day. So that's a hell of yeah, an outfield. That's, yeah, it's <laughs> a hell that's of an insane. outfield. That's, that's so you know, it's it's a great honor to see. Uh, you know, whenever you're a fan of whatever team in Major League Baseball you support, it's always great to see your players. You know, get elected to the All Star Game, let alone start, let alone have two MVP candidates starting in the same outfield with another MVP candidate. And the Atlanta Braves, Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah. So well, we knew he was going to go. Of course, he's one of the young rising stars in the league. If he's yeah. not a star already, um, so that was a thrill. Um, you know, to see them both get elected, all their efforts go out there. I mean, Nick Castellanos is still hitting three thirty-five. Yeah. If you're, I, and I don't see that changing for at least a while. If you're a batting average guy or girl, that is certainly you know up there in terms of you know, prowess through half a season. I mean, most guys it's nowadays... The, just the consistency of it is what's impressive to me. And what's funny is... He's you, hovered in that same area all season. Mm-hmm. And he might, you know, give or take a, a couple percent here and there, but it's it's not by much. Mm-hmm. What I think is crazy is, in modern baseball, when you hear players' interviews, a lot less of them talk about batting average and a lot more of them talking about their OPS. They're on base plus their slugging. Well, because the MLB has become a pitcher's game recently. Mm-hmm. Well, not, not super recently, but... Over the last like ten years, I would say that it's definitely become a pitcher's league. But it's if you look back to like the Mark McGuire days, mm-hmm. Barry Bonds days, that was a hitting league back then. Oh yeah. So it's almost like this natural balance that like the league tries to correct itself and then ends up overcorrecting itself, and then you see an era like now where it's it's so heavy on the pitching side. Agreed. That those stat lines get forgotten. Agreed. This is how crowded. By the way, these are the three National League starting outfielders: Ronald Acuna Jr., 985 OPS. Castellanos, 977 OPS. Winker, 939 OPS. So these gentlemen hit, they hit for power, and they get on base. The outfield ain't big enough for the three of us. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it sure as hell wouldn't be in a regular franchise, but yeah. it is it is idealistic for an all-star game. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, the American League's going to have a great team, Shohei Otane, with that other Los Angeles team that nobody seems to care about. Man, has 32 home runs. Yeah. He is absolutely killing well, it right and now. He's, he's almost flown under the radar with those 32. Yeah, and, you know, I was watching the other day, and MLB Network were saying he needs to stop pitching to focus on hitting. Why? Why? Babe Ruth did both for six years. If Otani gets down the line and realizes that he'll earn a bigger contract pitching than he ever, or hitting than he ever will hitting, pitching, he will earn a better contract hitting than he ever will pitching. Oh, absolutely. He'll probably give it up. Yeah, I think so, 100%. But there's no need for him to give it up right now. He's the, he's the talk of the town. Everybody, every news outlet is talking about how incredible Shohei Otani is. Yeah, you just don't want to see him go down like Madison Bumgarner, where he's too stubborn to give up pitching, even though the dude rakes. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't want to give up pitching. And then a couple years down the road, we really haven't heard that name come up very often at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would hate to see that happen to him. So if, if he is given that opportunity to take the bigger contracts as a hitter, definitely just switch up the position a little bit. Take take the money hitting. Oh, yeah. Because if you can do it, do it. And there's a famous term in baseball. There's It's no such thing as a pitching prospect. It kind of carries over even to their major league careers where pitching, I personally would never give a major league starting pitcher more than a four-year contract. I don't know. If you want to juice it to $40 million a year and pay him $160 million over four years, it's fine. But pitching is so fragile. I was going to say, you're rolling the dice way too much. Mm -hmm. Pitching is so fragile. And, you know, hitting is is where, one, it's what's what the fans want. But also, number two, those guys last a lot longer. If you're a pitcher like a Greg Maddox, and you can go to your 40, 41, 42, and you locate your fastball at 88 miles an hour, you can have a great career. But if you're a flamethrower... You know, like a Carlos Martinez right now is a perfect example with the Cardinals. They're about ready to move on from him. Yeah. Well, you burn out when you throw that hard. You know, you need multiple elbow surgeries. They all throw nasty slide pieces now. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it wears and tears on your arm to the point where maybe you only have a seven-year career. And there are countless accounts of guys like that. Jim Maloney with the Cincinnati Reds. Played with them through the 60s and then played one year for the Angels. It was done. He played yeah. 10 years. Well, that's like Aroldis Chapman, too. Aroldis Chapman was really only in that like three- to four-year prime where he was slinging 107, 108, 109 mile-an-hour fastballs. Not not quite, but 105. You know, I think there was one game against uh, the Indians in that series where he threw 109, I think. Well, I'm pretty have. sure it was 109. That could have happened. But, and he's left-handed. Which also makes it even tougher to read because it's coming out of the different way. I don't care if you're a right-handed hitter. You're seeing that yeah. come out of his hand from an angle that you're not used it's to. It's absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. When you're at the plate and you see something coming that fast from a left-handed pitcher, there's a the chances of you hitting it are slim to none. Very slim to none. It's always it's one of those great mysteries. Could have Ronald Stroud ever thrown a perfect game? Well, we'll never know. Could he have been conditioned to throw nine innings? I don't think so. No, I, I think I think five innings would have been the max you ever would have got out. Of. He he reminds me of like a Derrick Rose if Derrick Rose was a pitcher. You know what I mean? Like it's just the engine's too big for the chassis. Yeah, like he like he just twists the frame up. Going that fast because mm-hmm. he's just he's got way too much power in his throw, but he's not there. There's no way he can keep that up for you know nine innings in a game. Agreed. There's absolutely no way. Agreed. He's yeah. He's he's one of those guys that he's best in small doses. Yeah, and the one well, that's why they threw him in. Like I mean, look what he did to the Indians. Mm-hmm. They threw him in. They they couldn't hit him to save their life. I don't think there's many teams on earth that yeah, especially that there. late in the game. You throw a guy like that in, he's fresh. He reminds me a lot of who the Cardinals currently have under the bullpen, Jordan Hicks. Mm-hmm. He throws a two-seamer that literally runs across the entire plate. And you're like, that I mean, it, that two-seamer runs faster than yeah. Forrest Gump ever could. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Nothing. You, there's, no, there's nothing you can do. No, you say 32 Hail Marys and swing the bat. And if you make if you make, if you make a connection, dude, like you, you're lucky. Exactly. You're absolutely lucky. And even then, you're probably going to foul it off. If Yeah, once again, if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, you know, on the topic of baseball here, uh, there is a massive four-game series between two baseball teams that I love the way they're set up, minus a few things on each side. But the Milwaukee Brewers and the Cincinnati Reds play a massive game for NL Central supremacy when they meet for a four-game series this weekend, starting Thursday night. The Reds are six games back. They sweep them, they're two games back, going into the All-Star break, and that's a lot of momentum. They take three out of four of the three games back. You know, that's still... Pretty good. Is that how the math works? Four games? I believe so. Double check me on that someone. <laughs> Where's our stats guy? But that's kind of 
one of the things I wanted to discuss is it's awesome that in baseball right now, you're seeing teams like the Padres. You know, San Diego, great town, love the weather. Not a big market. They have one professional sports franchise, and it's the Padres. Yeah. You know? We have to move in the Chargers to LA. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. They have one franchise. They have they have an AHL team, the Gulls. But, you know, that's really – it's a lot like us in Columbus. We have the, we have the crew – which that's a second tier professional league in this in this country, and we have the Blue Jackets. We have one ma- top four major sports team. And you can well, you can even argue too that here in the states, NHL is three or four on that list. Yeah, it, it's, it's NBA, MLB, yeah. and the NFL dominate the markets. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And it, it's fun that you know you have the Brewers sitting in the NL Central, and you have the Padres killing it out west, and you know the Reds are sitting in second place right now. And they're within striking distance in this massive four-game series. It's unfortunate they had to put Sonny Gray on the DL, IL. But was it kind of a roster move? Because he he's not going to pitch until next Sunday anyway, so he can come off then. Yeah. And they get a bullpen, an extra bullpen arm for this series because you don't need five starters in a four-game series. Right. So was it a good strategic play by the Reds? it be the first time they've done that in a long time because Bob Castellini is a cheap asshole. <laughs> he's a cheap asshole. But – and I'm sure many of you out there listening to this will understand what it's like to have an owner that's a cheap asshole. I'm an Indians fan. I have Bob Dolan as the owner. He's a terrible, penny-pinching son of a bitch. I can't stand the guy. <laughs> the only one I think is worse in baseball is Bob Nutting in Pittsburgh. Because Ben oh, Roethlisberger look at, look at Ben Roethlisberger makes more in his annual salary than the, whole team. than the entire Pirates roster. Yeah. That's, that's bad. Yeah. That's cheap as hell. That's heinous. That should not happen. Well, honestly, it's Pittsburgh, so I don't feel too bad for them. You've, feel... you've got one solid franchise out there. The other ones can suffer. I mean, look at us in Cleveland. It's like the Avengers. It's like the Browns are good now. What did you have to give up? Everything. I will say, even though I hate them in the amount of times they've thrown at red sitters, I do feel for Pirates fans, especially if that's your number one team, because you have legendary quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. You have a top five player of all time in Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. You're spoiled rotten in yeah. two, two of your three major sports. And then it comes to your baseball team, and all summer long, all you talk about are the Steelers because the Pirates are so far gone. Ever since, you know, they traded away Andrew McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. That was that, well, that was the nail in the coffin, I think. Yeah. That was their last good player, and they got rid of him, and it was just like, all right. This is our curtain call. We're done. The 2013 NL MVP, they beat the Reds in a one-game wild card. Johnny Cueto dropped the ball, and they chanted Cueto, and I never wanted to throw a remote through my television so <laughs> out of my life. But that they put together a really solid team. And when you dismantle – it's one thing to dismantle your team by trading a superstar and getting some young players in return. You can sell that to the fans. Right now, they have nothing. They have, they have a few young guys, and Adam Frazier is an incredible second baseman. He hits the absolute shit out of the ball. But other than that, there's not a lot for them to write home about. And it would be really frustrating to go to that beautiful ballpark at PNC. I mean, that is a gorgeous ballpark. It is. Great view of downtown. Great view of the bridge. But what does that matter, though, when my high school baseball team could walk in there and take you in nine innings (laughs) and just send you home with red butt cheeks crying? Yeah. yeah. I I just – I do feel bad for diehard Pirates fans. Now, if they also happen to be Steelers and Penguins fans – they could shove it up their ass. See, you read my mind. I was going to say, I but feel bad I, for Pirates fans. I don't feel bad for the Pirates fans that are fans of everybody else. Correct. If you are literally just a Pirates fan, we do pity you. Yes. <laughs> we feel bad. That is unfair the way you're treated. But this Reds Brewer series is going to determine 
how the second half of the season goes. If both teams, you know, the Brewers will be buyers no matter what. If the Reds get swept and they're 10 games back, they might not be buyers. But if they can do some damage in this series, then it's it's wide open. So I'm excited for this. Tyler Malley's taking the hill tonight. He's killing it. He is third on the team in war right now. I believe, on according to BaseballReference.com, he came in today with a 2.4 war. I'll take it. Which is great. <laughs> well, what's funny is Nick Castellanos is a 2.6 war. Yeah. And leading the team, like everybody thought before the season, Wade Miley with a 3.8 war. <sighs> Wade Miley. I know. At, Wade Miley leads the team in war. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, he threw that new hit, no-hitter against the Tribe. Like He did. You saw what he can do. He did throw a no-hitter against the Tribe, and that was a fun a fun moment for me. So do, please don't rob me. Well, that was the first one since uh, who, who threw the last no-hitter? Um, Homer Bailey. No. Homer Bailey threw one in 2013. Yep. Okay, it was Homer then. Okay, Absolutely. Yeah, I remember the last Red to do it. I thought it was him. Yes, the Reds have thrown three in the last ten years, but it's always fun. I mean, the Indians haven't had a no-hitter in... Which is insane because what, we since, are like... Since Len Barker's perfect game? Yeah, we, we are a pitching machine. Mm-hmm. Like, we just... Like, we reload every year. Like, anytime we lose a guy, we get somebody else up. And we still cannot throw a no-hitter. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And the no. ones that we've been close on, we blow it last second on stupid plays. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely had some unfortunate luck and timing. Well, we, I think we had an error cost us the one last time, didn't we? Well, an error would keep a no-hitter intact. Or no, no, I'm sorry, sorry, other way around. What, what am I thinking of? Did they rule it a base hit when it should have been an error? Yeah, that's what. It was. Yeah, because I okay. know an error was involved, and it was it was a bad call, but it cost us the no or the, the no hitter. Well, it's like the Indians didn't get perfect game to buy Armando Galarraga <sighs> up in Detroit when Armando Galarraga had the the perfect game that didn't count. Yeah, the poor bastard. That's. I mean, karma has a funny way of coming back around to get you. Yeah, so I really can't complain too much. Tough, tough scenes for him. But yeah. but yeah, no, it's fun, and I'm looking here at the standings. As they stand today, for the entire, you know, the entirety of Major League Baseball, and it is so fun to see the small market teams up up top here. And you know, yeah. like I said, it's so refreshing. So Boston's, you know, in first by two and a half games in the AL East. Whatever. Tampa Bay is in second. They're fifty one and thirty six. Tampa Bay, in other sports, is not small market. In baseball, they couldn't be yeah. a smaller market. Yeah, they don't spend any money. And they find a way to win, and they traded Willie Adamas to the Brewers, their starting shortstop, and yet they sit here at 51-36, and 36, two and a half games back in their division. That's awesome. You look at the Central, right? Number one for the AL Central, the White Sox. The Cubs are big market. The White Sox are not. Yeah, no, the White Sox I can, I can tolerate. The White Sox are leading that division by eight games over the Tribe. And then Detroit's in third, Kansas City, and Minnesota. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, once again, I mean, that entire division, you could argue, is small market. But you go out west, not really too much small market love out there. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. You go to the east, I would consider the New York Mets small market. Well, yeah. Besides, yeah. besides Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> who, the, who the hell likes the Mets? Exactly. That's, well, you know? Apparently Francisco Lindor, but we won't get into that right now. No, I'm poor Frankie. But they're the only team above 500 in the entire division. That's awesome. We yeah. talked about the NL Central. NL West, Padres sitting right there. I mean, that division is going to kill itself, too, because they're going to get probably all the wildcard games, which is unfortunate for the rest of the oh, yeah. the rest of the uh, the National League. That They're all going to come out of there, but we're going to get some, some incredible series. So it's good to see these smaller markets doing well 
Now, a small market is obviously up to, you know, up for debate, but what the hell's the point of having a podcast where you don't debate? So, you know, we thought that was, you know, obviously something, um, you know, very cool going on in the world of baseball. Transition over here to the NBA. Guys, the finals. The finals. Phoenix is a big market in terms of population size. It is not a big market. It is kind of like the way Tampa is in my mind. Um, Tampa for certain teams is bigger market, but in general, it's a transplant market. Phoenix is full of transplants. Phoenix, Arizona is the third biggest Ohio State alumni fan base out of Ohio. Oh, I don't doubt it at all. Because everybody wants to go there because it doesn't rain and it's not humid. Yeah, it's it's, it's like Florida or like South Carolina. Like my cousins live in Charleston and if I wear a Buckeye jersey down there, I get an OH from across the bar every night. Three Buckeye bars in Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, it's insane. They have three. We were down there for the the selection committee, the original original one, Mm -hmm. and when they throw Ohio State in at four, we're sitting at the Windjammer. And yeah. it's just us in Buckeye jerseys and everybody else in SEC jerseys. And then this one table in the back of the room, you just hear the guy stand up and go, OH! And it's like, dude, we are nine hours from Columbus, Ohio. What are you doing out here? Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy how that works and how, well, one, Ohio State's a massive fan. But that's well, not, yeah. I think largest in the world, aren't they? It's got to be up there. It's got to be Texas. I think campus size, we're top five. Arizona and, State has a massive student body. UCF has a massive student body. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of Chicago, Phoenix is Dallas is also a massive Buckeye um, hub for alumni. So yeah, it's not really that surprising. But I would consider the Phoenix Sun small market, and I would, I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks back to Milwaukee. And it's cool. One thing I really like about the Bucks before we hop into the series, Giannis is signed there long term. Yep, Giannis wants to be there. It is so rare in the social media age where an athlete has not only you know what they do on the court or the field or the ice, or whatever, they also have their own brand to consider that they can profit off of exponentially, i.e. LeBron James, Derek Jeter. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you can go down the list of who, you know, everybody else that has their own brand, Tom Brady, etc. And, you know, they have a brand to think about. And he's elected to stay in Milwaukee and reward those fans with his incredible talent. I think he's also trying to build a good part of his brand on loyalty. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's also like a forgotten thing in today's, you know, sportscape. Mm-hmm. Especially after the whole Kevin Durant thing, where you know he lost to the Warriors and up three one, and then the next season he joins them to try and win a ring. It's it's kind of like ever since then I feel like things have just snowballed in, into almost like even the college like scene with the transfer uh, mm-hmm. window and the portal and all that stuff. You mm-hmm. can have guys you know jump ship like Jameson Williams is heading down to Alabama. And he's going to play this season. Yeah, he is. And yeah. it's it's I it's just become such like such a, a common thing in today's sports leagues. That I think. Giannis is trying to go against the grain there where he's like, you know, I'm going to build my brand on loyalty mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm going to stay in Milwaukee long term and this is where I'm going to, you know, plant my flag. Yeah. And it's, it's refreshing to see and it's really cool, especially he's doing it with a small market team. Yeah. You know, because those are the fans that like are, will go just completely rabid over you. Exactly. Like it's, uh, you know, not to hop off the, uh, the series and we'll come back to this point, but if you can be a legend in one of these markets, they'll talk about you forever. It's, do you want to be a number or do you want to be the guy? Yeah. And I think what the Bucks and Suns have right now, especially with Giannis and, you know, you go down to the Suns with, I mean, we'll talk about Chris Paul too, but, you know, guys like Devin Booker. I was literally going to say Devin Booker. Devin man. Booker, by the way, I'm, I'm reading the, the box score here. This game, I mean, yeah, the Suns won 118-105. Paul had 32 points. Devin Booker, despite being one of eight from three, still dropped 27 points. Even on his bad nights, he's still better than most guys on the court. 
Yeah, it's like pizza. When it's good, it's really good, and when it's bad, it's still pretty damn good. Yeah, exactly. It's like, just... I'll take Devin Booker at his worst over, you know, Alex Caruso at his best. Exactly. Any day of the week. Six days a week and twice on Sunday. Exactly. You know, Giannis, not a great free throw shooting day, 7-12. to 12. Uh, Did rack up 17 boards with 20 points. Nothing to scoff at, but the one that's really sticking out to me here, Chris Middleton was 12 of 26 from the field, 5 of 12 from 3. Grabbed 7 boards, 4 assists, 29 points Yeah, for the Bucs in a losing effort. So... I wanted to touch on them real quick just because these, you know, both these markets are represented by fans that, like we said earlier, will love you unconditionally. And one that really stands out to me, now you know a little bit more about the NBA than I do. Is there a reason Jay Crowder had 33 minutes, didn't make a single field goal and ended the game with one point, but, um, but was plus 19 on the court? Because it's Jay Crowder. Is that what he does? Yeah, he just he just is a body there, really. Okay. He doesn't do a whole like, – I mean, Jay Crowder, like, I, it's weird because I don't dislike the guy, but I just – I don't like the guy. True. I, I, it's it's like when, when Bill Burr said that, he's like, I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel about it. I love it's Bill like, Burr. I, yeah, oh, I love Bill Burr. He's great. But it's like, yeah, I just – I don't know where I fall on Jay Crowder because, like, some plays he'll have a great defensive lockdown on somebody. He'll, throw, he'll put clamps on him. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, the next play, he's getting posterized. He's got somebody's nuts dragging across his forehead on a dunk, and it's like, well – Pick an identity, dude. Like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. So I, I just don't – Jay Crowder is just – he's just there. He's just a weird guy to me. I mean, Fair enough. Yeah, stat line-wise, like, if you look at his stats, like, he's got consistent stat lines like that. It's just kind of weird. I'm still perplexed whether the Suns give any minutes to Frank Kaminsky because Wisconsin can get the hell out. Um, Frank the Tank. DeAndre Ayton, man. 39 points, 80% from the field, hit every free throw, 19 boards. And he has given Giannis – Fits 22, 22 and 19, and he made every shot except two. Yeah. Including his free throws. That's Aiden's going to be – I think he's wow. going to be a superstar. He's going to be one of the next big, big guys. The last memory I really have of him was getting knocked out in the first round by Buffalo in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And I was like, how did a guy – how did a team with DeAndre Aiden, the, you know, unanimous number one pick, yep. end up, you know, going out that early? But you know what? That's – That's why we call it a team sport. It's true. That is true. But I mean, one thing I will say, like with Giannis coming back, Giannis has to play. He's got to figure out a way to beat Aiden. Because Aiden showed he's like, I can match up with this guy. I can make Giannis struggle. I can frustrate him. Mm-hmm. And he's just been playing great defense. Like when they have met, it's just he's solid, man. DeAndre Aiden's solid. Like I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Suns in, in six. Suns and six? Yeah, possibly five. It, like, it really all just depends on how Giannis plays when he comes back. I, I, I want to see how he's looking. Yeah. But if it's if it's nothing short of stellar, I, I think the Suns will take him in six. Suns and six? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of pulling for Giannis. He's won a couple MVPs. Um, you know, he's from the heartland. Obviously, we're from Big Ten country. So I, I kind of have a, some sense of Midwest responsibility to root for him. Yeah. That being said... Uh, my stepbrother Kyle, shout out to Kyle, happy birthday yesterday, man. He just went out and moved out to Arizona, and he went to game one last night on his birthday. So oh, if, the, awesome. if the Suns win, you know what, that's cool for Kyle. See, I feel dirty rooting for the Suns because we are from the Midwest, and it's like I do want to show love to the Midwest, but at the same time, the storyline we were talking about last last episode, it's it, you got to let CP3 get a title at this point. I mean, he deserves a title. Yeah. And I also am a big fan of Devin Booker, so I'm pulling for the Suns. But that's not to say that I'm not at least a little bit rooting for the Bucks. Devin Booker has that Kobe Bryant mentality. Yeah, I think Kobe Bryant uh, or Devin Booker is the closest thing we'll get to Kobe Bryant. 
At least right now. Yeah. And if anybody else has anything to say about that, our social media will be up soon. We can definitely make that our number one poll to start off. Yeah. Who you know, if, if we're sitting here just blowing smoke and you don't think Devin Booker is anything like Kobe Bryant, tell us we're idiots. We would love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. We would love to hear the feedback. We are here for the uh, interaction on social media. We will be releasing uh, to start off a Twitter and Instagram and a Facebook account. And then, you know, after that, we'll talk about a YouTube and a TikTok and everything else. We want to be as interactive as possible with everybody, even if it's five people to start off. We don't care. We like, you know, we love to talk about sports, and that's you know our big passion Any in life. Platform. So, well, TikTok is going to be more your front because I feel like that'll get off my lawn kind of guy. I can't figure out TikTok, so no, that was worry. definitely going to be your department. I'll take it. Right, I know how TikTok enough. works. We're good on that front. Then. Don't worry, I will not twerk. I promise. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, we Depends. could we could do a fundraiser or something. Get I could do a twerk. Yeah, I could do a twerk bet. Maybe. Yeah, there you go. M- make a bet, like you know, if this team I picked doesn't win the series. I got to go on there and do some stupid dance. I'll do it. I am throwing it on every single one of those bets. I'll do it. It will happen eventually. Why not? We can get Holly to show you how to do it. Dirty Mike and the boys. <laughs> yeah. Dirty Thanks Mike and the boys. F Shack. Love Thanks Dirty Mike F- and the boys. Left. We will have sex in your car. It will happen again. <laughs> it will happen again. Oh my God. That's <laughs> so, ridiculous. so ridiculous. What a great movie. Sidetracked a little bit. That's <laughs> that okay. A great movie though. Bye, Sheila. Yeah. I'm here to do a desk pop live on the podcast. <laughs> that you know, is something that we could arrange. Uh, I don't know if I want a desk pop in this apartment. Well, I'm moving out of mine and moving into a new one here shortly, so we could get it in. <laughs> we'll get the desk pop in at your apartment. You know, speaking of upgrading apartments, I know you and Holly are moving into a new place. Speaking of upgrades, let's talk about some NFL quarterback contracts. I'm all for that. Man, I'm going to start off by saying, you know what the theme of our podcast is at this point. We're belaboring it. You know, some may say beating a dead horse. I disagree. We're really trying to hammer home what we're here to talk about. And one of the things right now that I am enamored with is the young quarterback grouping in the National Football League. There is no denying how incredible and how talented and how revolutionary for the for the National Football League game these young quarterbacks are right now. And just to list off a few guys that, you know, Sky and I have discussed that we like. Obviously we've talked about Baker Mayfield in episode one. He's a great player. Go dogs. Joe Burrow is looking like he's gonna be a superstar coming back that from injury. Stud. Josh Allen just went to an AFC title game. Lamar Jackson is a mother effing cheat code oh yeah he's like he's like mike vick in the 04 uh um should he get one of those like nike commercials i i think so the, like the, like the mike vick experience with yeah. the lamar jackson you gotta experience? you gotta give him his own shoes that's what you gotta give lamar his own 100 percent. if mike vick got his own shoes and he beat mike vick's rushing record mm-hmm. give that man some shoes exactly you know pat and patrick mahomes is another one i don't know if i said that already I mean, cut that, that out just... but he signed in kansas city and i love that it's the same thing as Giannis almost. It's like, I'm going to build my brand here in Kansas City. Exactly. It's like, well, you know what? We, he, he has a global market. He has a great Heinz advertising campaign. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Heinz. You know, great, absolutely phenomenal advertising campaign going with them, putting ketchup all over the steak, which more of the reprehensible thing to do. <laughs> but you know what? To each their own. I'm not going to tell you how to Dark eat your steak. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how to eat your steak if you pay for it. If I'm paying for it, you're not eating it that way. I'll tell you that. If you're winning Super Bowls, you can put ketchup on your steak. And that is the only time, people. <laughs> that is a goddamn truthful statement right there. <laughs> But, you know, right now, Kyler Murray, another one. Yeah. With the Cardinals. He, you know, he's, that Hail Mary he threw last year, DeAndre Hopkins against the Bills. Oh, yeah. Amongst three defensive backs. DeAndre Hopkins did a lot of the work on that. I I agree, but Kyler was rolling to the left, and he puts the ball where only DeAndre can get it, and DeAndre made the play. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a hell of a throw. It reminds me a lot of the Baker throw to Donovan Peoples-Jones. 
Yeah, 60 yards yeah. on a dime. On the dime. Mm-hmm. Or remember Carson Wentz had that one where uh, I forget who the receiver was. He was falling out of bounds in the back corner of the end zone, and the camera angle is from that back pylon. And you see Carson Wentz break away from some coverage and just thread this needle. Like, literally, it's it, the, the ball is on a line in the camera's view. Yeah. It was one of the most incredible throws I've ever seen. But it's kind of the same thing. Like, Kyler Murray, if you watch it from the back pylon, uh, the what is it, the end zone cam. Yeah. If you watch it from that, you see that ball coming, and it does not move left or right at all. It is a straight line, like, right where it has to be. Agreed. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that these young guys have is they're all going to be coming up on their UFA. And a lot of them have gotten their fifth year. Josh Allen's gotten his fifth year. And Lamar Jackson's gotten his fifth year, I believe. And Baker, I believe, got his fifth year. It's on the table right now. I, yeah, I don't I don't think Baker we, – we don't know what's going on with him yet because the – from what I understand, a lot of people are, on the, are in the camp of – it's either we have this guy who, who is our signal caller. We have the consistency now. We have the stability. Or – are we afraid to pay a guy $40 million a year in his, going into his fourth year in the league when we're real Super Bowl contenders now, and that's our, that's our goal is to win a title now. It's mm-hmm. not to rebuild the team. It's, it's for a title. So now it's real. So I'm, I'm hearing people say either, I don't want to pay him $40 million because it might be too early in his career. Let's wait and see. Or I have guys on the other end that are like, all right, look, pay this kid the $40 million a year. He's the most consistent signal caller we've had in 25 seasons. And like we, he's your best quarterback since Bernie Kosar. He's probably better than Bernie. I I think he's going to go down as our best quarterback. I mean, unless you want to go back to like Otto Graham, but that's a whole different ball game playing football back then. Of course, it was not a quarterback's league. It's a Otto, league Otto Graham is the best quarterback in Browns franchise. Oh, 100. percent. I'm not I'm not disagreeing at all. But I'm saying the only person I think you can really hold you know that can hold Baker's jock is definitely Otto Graham right now. I think I yep. think he is better than Bernie because if you watch Bernie throw the ball, just the mechanics are weird. I mean, he got the job done. Don't worry, I love Bernie. Like as a Cleveland, well, fan, look how they all threw back then. Go watch any of those quarterbacks. Go watch, you know, Fran Tarkenton run around for the Vikings or Johnny Unitas throw a football for the Colts. I mean, yeah, it was it, it was a shit show back then. Oh, 100 percent. Plus, plus sucks. the defense. Well, the defensive backs. Well, the ball was different, but the defensive backs also could absolutely maul your receivers all up and down the field. Joe Namath threw a lot more interceptions and touchdowns in his career. Was Joe Namath a bad quarterback? No. no. Was he as great as they say? Not really. That's but, funny. I, I do not think so at all. But, but not, not, not to get off topic, but is there something to be said about playing in different eras for different sports? 100%. Well, that's like the whole like Michael Jordan versus LeBron. It's, it was a different league. It's, it's the fun of debate. By the way, I'm looking at it right now. Baker Mayfield is slotted to make... A shade under $19 million in 2022, so he has had his fifth-year option. Oh, he did? Okay. Yes, and then 2023 is a UFA, so they got to work on that contract now. Josh Allen's in the same boat. Lamar Jackson's in the same boat. You know, those guys are all in the same boat, and it's going to get interesting to see where they end up here in the future. So, out of all of these young up-and-coming... So, out of all of these young and -and up-and-coming quarterbacks that are looking at their first big payday, who do you think will get the largest one? We'll go first and then overall. What do you think? I don't know. I think the largest contract we're going to see is going to be Josh Allen. I agree. And I think he'll be the first to sign a deal too. I think so too, because the Bills haven't had this level of success in a long time. Yeah. And and that's kind of the same conversation with Cleveland. It's like, Back to what I was saying with the whole debate back and forth, should we pay Baker? Yes, you should, you should absolutely pay Baker. Because look at the last 20, you know, 25 years, 
Buffalo's kind of in the same boat where it's like we've struggled to find like that the correct signal caller for our team, the consistent mm-hmm. guy who, who puts up numbers. And also, I had Josh Allen in my fantasy league last year, and that kid absolutely carried me. I'm telling his back had to hurt after that season from carrying the team every like week in, week out. I yes, absolutely. Josh Allen, he can do it with his legs, he can do it with his arm. He's he's gotten so much smarter about when to use each one of his incredible tools yeah. to to his team's advantage. And I agree. I think Josh Allen's going to get a Patrick Mahomes style payout because I don't yeah. see I don't see the Bills going anywhere. No, I think I think they're here to stay as long as they can keep their defense intact and then keep that offensive line solid. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to be contenders for at least five to six years. I don't know how the rest of their division is going to add up. The Patriots they still have Bill Belichick, but it's a wild card. Um, you know, obviously the Dolphins. I really like what Brian Flores is building down there, but at the same time, is two of the guy. And then you look at the Jets, and they're the hapless New York Jets, and they're the Jets are just a, a literal dumpster fire year yes. in year out. It, it, it's honestly it's embarrassing to watch. It's tough. It's tough. If, if, I'm sorry to all you Jets fans out there, but good lord, yeah, you guys got to get it together. Yeah, it's tough. So I, I think uh, Josh Allen can really help secure uh, some additional AFC East on top of you know playoff wins, and, and mm-hmm. you know potentially bring them a Super Bowl, which I I don't think is out of the question in the next three to five years. I don't either. Especially if Mahomes has a slip-up, you know, maybe somewhere down the line, or he gets hurt, God forbid, because nobody wants to see that. But it is a National Football League. If if, if there's some injuries that kind of pave the way, I can see Josh Allen being a Super Bowl champion and sending that city into absolute chaos. I mean, they will make what the Philadelphia Eagles fans did look like child's play. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I've been there. I've been to – I don't care what they call it now. It's always going to be the Ralph. I, I've, I've been there for a game. Those fans stand up the entire time, minus halftime. They are intoxicated. Well, even then, they're they're still standing at halftime because they're walking to go get beer. Yeah, well, they're, and their beer, beer sales cut off as soon as second half kickoff starts. There is no second half alcohol, but God knows they don't need it. And I, I think, you know, that is definitely one of those markets that they love their teams. Mm-hmm. Buffalo is always the number one American market for anything NHL-related that doesn't even have to do with the Sabres, they love their Buffalo Bills. That city deserves a championship for the loyalty of those fans. Can you imagine what would happen after a ring in that city, though, with Bills Mafia? I mean, I think Buffalo would be wiped off the face of the planet. They'd go from breaking tables to breaking the bank in every casino imaginable. Oh, my God. It, it would, would be, be ridiculous. It would be a nightmarish hellscape, but in the best way possible. You wouldn't be able to get in an oyster bar for a month and a half. It would be absolutely ridiculous. They'd eat that city out, pause, <laughs> of chicken wings. <laughs> I was going to say, I was, was getting a little sus there for a second. <laughs> Is it sus? Anyways, it so I definitely agree that Josh Allen would be the first one paid. I could see Lamar Jackson getting the biggest bank out of all of them solely because Lamar Jackson has potential, you know, along with Pat Mahomes to be the face of the league. He's what every kid wants to be. He's a, he, like I've said it before, he's a cheat code. Yeah, no, he, he, it, it, you can only compare him to Michael Vick. Yeah. Michael Vick's the only other quarterback we've ever seen do the stuff that Lamar does, and he does it better than Mike. Mm-hmm. With a, you know, he, Mike, Mike had a stronger arm, but... Lamar Jackson, you know, he'll have games where he runs for 130 yards, and they may only throw the ball 15 times. He'll have other games where he goes 18 of 20 for 290 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. No, and you're like, he just picked him apart because they have such a great running game with, you know, J.K. Dobbins back there. And in the past, you know, a couple of years, they've had Ingram and Gus Edwards, and they filtered other guys in and out of there. And I'm sure that will just keep up that stable of running backs to complement what Lamar does. 
if they can get an elite receiver in there at any point, watch out. I, I think Baltimore, their offensive roster build is very similar to Cleveland's. They're, I think Cleveland's a little bit farther ahead of them, especially in the wide receiver room. Mm-hmm. But I do see a lot of the same, you know, plays run. I see a lot of the same, you know, type of players in those positions. Very similar to the same, you know, blueprint that Cleveland uses. And I think that, you know, I would give the edge to Lamar over Baker. But at the same time. it's oh, tough for you to say. I know. It, it sucks. It hurts me just saying that because Baker's my boy. But I do think that Lamar Jackson, I would give him the nod at the starting quarterback if I had to pick between the two. Mm-hmm. But then if you're looking at Ingram and Dobbins versus Hunt and Chubb, I'm going Chunt all day. So yeah. kind of, you know, it's same blueprint, but I think their strengths are a little bit of the opposite on offense there. Mm-hmm. But they definitely have the potential to go far for a long time. Well, they did just sign Sammy Watkins, and they drafted Rashad Bateman. So they do have... Okay, well, we still have to see how now, they match with the team. Th- their tight ends are insane. Mark Edwards is incredible. Oh, yeah. Number 89 for well, the, the Ravens. Well, the Ravens are known for playing bully ball, like offense or defense. Oh, yeah. No, ab- absolutely. And, you know, they have... They're strong. I mean, Hollywood Brown is a good receiver. Mm-hmm. He's electric. He kind of reminds me of Ted Ginn. Yeah. Ted Ginn Jr. in a way. I'll give you that. But, you know, I mean, they yeah, they have Calais Campbell now. You know, he's an absolute monster. As a Jaguars fan, I've seen him run around like a crazy person and make plays all over, up and down the field. He's such a huge guy, too. He's like 6'8", oh, yeah. 360. Yeah, he's huge. You know, they have – well, I love Malik Harrison. Go Bucks. But, you know, they have – a solid defense. I know they lost Matt Judon off the defensive, you know, as a defensive end, who's a monster out of Grand Valley State. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure they'll reload. It will not take them long to, you know, come back to where they were. So all I ask is, you know, don't play Trace McSorley because Penn State majors and minors, and I hate them. So <laughs> that's my number one. My number one. They also drafted Patrick Queen out of LSU. Dog. Oh, yeah. Linebacker. He is a heat-seeking missile. Oh, absolutely. As a linebacker in that division with the plethora. Well, he runs a, he runs like, what, a 4.6 or something like that? Probably below that. Let's be totally four, honest. 4.5, 4.6. I mean, I'm sorry. When you got a 250-pound mm-hmm. linebacker coming at you yep, that fast, that's scary. They also have Ronnie Stanley at left tackle, great player. Yep. And, you know, you can't forget about Justin Tucker. That guy doesn't miss. Justin so. Tucker, in my opinion, is the best kicker in the NFL. I didn't realize they also dra- they also signed uh, Alejandro Villanueva. The former Green Beret with the Pittsburgh I, Steelers. I think I think I I think I read that like pretty recently. Mm-hmm. I remember that name being mentioned. Yeah, they're they're not a team that rebuilds. They will reload. They have Kevin Zeitler. I didn't even realize that. Since when? Evidently now. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. So Derek Wolf too, out of the University of Cincinnati, very good defensive end with the Broncos. So yeah, that division's not going anywhere. Anytime no, soon. And I, I've said this for a long time. I think the AFC North is the toughest division in the league. It is right now. Yeah. It is right now. If the Bengals had competent ownership, they had the talent. Well, it's, it's even even in past years, before the Browns became relevant, the Bengals were semi-relevant. They made the playoffs every year. Every year. And, you know, the Ravens were solid. And, you have the Steelers. Who, I mean, the Steelers are going to consistently be a superpower in the AFC North. All, all, uh, all Bengals fans out there, feel free to burn your Jeremy Hill voodoo dolls <laughs> at the stake. I know you want to. Yeah, um, go but, light him up. Exactly, yeah. Um, on the topic of the NFL, man, Aaron Rodgers. I, I just want to know how this is going to turn out. Do you think he sits out the year and hosts Jeopardy? I mean, that is a career option for him. He was great on Jeopardy the few times that I watched him host. He's a smart guy. No, I love Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Aaron Rodgers. He knows what uh, he's, he knows what he's talking about. He he's you know he seems you know to come off as well read, intelligent. You know, obviously we know he can read a defense. 
But for the sake of debate, which team do you think would benefit most from Aaron Rodgers' services? And if so, what's the return for Aaron Rodgers? So you really have to look at it as a situation of, is there a team that's knocking at the door and they're missing a quarterback and they can win it now? Mm -hmm. Versus if you don't have that situation set up, Aaron Rodgers is not even going to, he's not even going to bat an eyelash at you. You have to be it. So that really just narrows down who is, who's, who's it. I mean, a lot of teams can compete for it, put in their bid, but who are the real contenders is what it comes down to. And I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, he's owed 25 million per year for the next two seasons, three or two seasons after this year. This year he's at fourteen point seven million, and then he's at twenty five million in twenty twenty two, and then his age forty season at twenty twenty three. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of money. Um, I mean, if if <clears throat> like Jared Goff is going to the Lions, mm-hmm. had this situation happened when all this was going, I think they would have held off on that trade, mm-hmm. and the Lions would have made a bid for Aaron Rodgers. Do you, you think Aaron Rodgers would go to Detroit if if that had been an option? If if it was an option, I it really it, again like I just he doesn't come out and say anything about it, so we have nothing really to work with here. Like he holds his cards close to his chest on on situations like these, huh. and I just don't want to see him get into a situation like Brett Favre, where they, he plays the whole like, all right, well if you want to play hardball, I'm going to retire, and then goes and signs another team, and then retires a couple years later, and it's like, well, what was the point? One scenario I really like for Aaron Rodgers. Be a straight up trade, the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson. Let Russell go back to Wisconsin where he finished his college career, and let Aaron Rodgers go out west. He's from California. He's everybody says the 49ers. And yes, he's a Bay Area guy. He went to Cal. They just drafted Trey Lance and exa- they're try and coach him up under Jimmy G, which I don't know how that's gonna work out for them. But. Exactly. If they went to get Aaron they wanted to get Aaron Rodgers, it would be a one year play and they'd try to flip him and let Trey Lance learn under him. So, which is fair. I mean, yeah, because porn star Jimmy, like, you're not gonna, no. you're not gonna compete with him. He, I mean, he's he's consistent. He's a good quarterback, but if he's you, not he's not Super Bowl like level. He's a better version of Rex Grossman. If you give him a good defense, oh, I've heard that name in a long he time. He will he will fight tooth and nail with a good running game and a great defense. But if you can't provide him with those things, Jimmy G's, you know, nothing better than Mark Bulger, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and I would I would even put him under Ryan Fitzpatrick if he were to go the journeyman backup route. I, I still don't think he could even hold Fitzpatrick's jock. Sure. But, I mean, if that were to be the case, if you were to trade Russell Wilson straight up for him, even then I still don't know if the Seahawks would bite. Sure. Because, it, it, let's face the facts, Aaron Rodgers is a bit of a prima donna. He's a diva. Yeah, if, well, he, if he doesn't like What well-paid quarterback isn't a diva? You know, not, not, not many. Not not a lot. Not a lot. Not I mean, many. Tom Brady, I wouldn't really consider him one. Oh, no, I think Tom Brady's a diva. He has his own brand. Yeah, but I'm talking like when it comes to taking pay cuts and like, you know, somebody take a vet minimum type deal. Well, that's a Patriots way. That's, I think that's probably why he loves being in Tampa. Well, you make a valid point there. That's you know, more of a Bill Belichick thing. I would say Tom Russell Brady Wilson's thing. not too much of a diva. No, well, I, that we know of. Because yeah. remember recently there was all that stuff that came out where he was – you know, talking about possibly being traded, and then he went back, his agent went back on it, and was like, well, no, 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 we were never talking about actually leaving Seattle. And it's like, well, really? Because that's exactly what you said. Yeah. 
you listed off the teams that you would like to go to if given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then now you're going to try and walk it back months down the road and be like, oh, no, we didn't say that. We, we never thought we were going to leave Seattle. So that right there, I think, eliminates the, the trade from Seattle to Green Bay for, for Russell Wilson. Right I think some of, the, some of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league aren't super divas. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, one of the highest paid guys, not a diva. Yeah, but he's also not a superstar. No, at, by no, by no stretch of the imagination is Kirk Cousins a superstar. But also highest paid, not that much of a diva. Yeah, so, no, not at all. So I, I think it kind of depends. I know. think Joe Burrow, like once we see him come up to his like contract mm-hmm. here in a few years, I think he's the type that would take less money. Yeah, to stay because he, you know, he's very down to earth. He's level headed kid. Um, I don't think we would really see that like Aaron Rodgers kind of ego develop in him over time. I, I, sure, I sure hope not. I mean, he, you know, is a kid from southeastern Ohio, you know, went to Ohio State, backed up, went to LSU, was bang average his, you know, first year there, and then took off. If we were ever to go the, uh, the like, the barstool athlete thing, Joe Burrow is our first small market athlete we have to sign, because he is the epitome of small market. He is. Won a state, won a state championship at Athens, didn't he? Lost the state championship. Or lost the state. He made it to the state championship at Athens. He did. And then... Through seven touchdowns and lost. Through seven touchdowns and lost. Which I'm sorry, any that that is insane to me. Quarterback throws seven touchdowns in a game and you still lose. Mm-hmm. That's who was the other quarterback? Do we know? Do you remember? It might have been Deshaun Kaiser, but it might not have been Deshaun Kaiser because no, I think he was already at Notre Dame. But they did. He did go to TCC. Okay. I know Mike Warren was the running back, and he went to UC and put up all kinds of numbers. And he's been bouncing around practice squads. Yeah, uh, uh, I would call him, you know, more of a, you know, Dollar General Maurice Jones Drew. So, <laughs> kind of a fantastic term, you know, like a poor man's Michael the Burner Turner. Yeah, thick lower body guy. But you know, that's um, yeah, I agree. And, and you know, kind of uh, on the topic of guys getting traded from small markets, I'm going to hop over to talk a little NHL. And right now, there's no way feasible that Jack Eichel remains in Buffalo. Jack Eichel's getting traded. He deserves it. Yeah. They've never made playoffs with him. And Jack Eichel is one of the top three centers in the league. So, yeah, I mean, he's a premier talent. And if they're just going to sit there and you know piss his career away in Buffalo and he can't compete for anything, mm-hmm. if, he, if that were to go that way, he's going to look back on his career and be like, well, shit, man. I, if I would have been in a team that could have competed, I could have, I could have done something. But now that's always going to be an asterisk on my career is that, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody wants to go the whole route, like, did he win a ring? Does he have a ring? That's that's where everybody's going to immediately go. Yeah, and if Jack Eichel isn't going to hoist a cup in Buffalo, which, let's be honest, they've never done it. Yeah, and I don't think it'll happen anytime soon either. No. So a move out makes sense. And there are a lot of rumors going around. The Rangers. Kings. A lot of talk. The Jackets were mentioned. The Jackets are definitely in on Jack Eichel. I know they're still talking to them about it. It'll depend on what he wants. And I think he'd be a perfect fit. And this goes against every fiber of my being as a Blue Jackets fan. Assuming we go back to the Metropolitan, Atlantic, Pacific, etc. version, central version of the NHL that we didn't have this year. He would be incredible on the Carolina Hurricanes. That team is built to win. I know, but the- they just they just won the Central Division this year, beating out Tampa, who just won the cup. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I went to the the couple games that I went to this year, and the Jackets played the, the Hurricanes, and I don't think we won a single one. No, because they they defend, they play a gritty style. They have Sebastian Ajo, 
who's a number one center, you can bump into the second line and play Jack Eichel up there. You're going to attract many other stars. They play in Raleigh, North Carolina. They're not even in Charlotte. They're in Raleigh. Yeah. You know, in a state that has adopted hockey very well, they won a cup in 2006. So they've been there, done that. They do have somewhat of a pedigree. That's still Hartford, or Hartford Whalers organization, isn't it? Correct. Okay. So, you know, they, they but they've won a cup as the Hurricanes. Yeah. So my boy Mike Commodore was on that team. They, they've been there, done that. So I would be remiss not to say that that would be a good fit. I think there are other good fits for him as well. I mean, we don't have to like it until we can acknowledge that it would be a good fit. Yeah, exactly. That'd be a good fit. There are multiple Canadian teams I think would be good fits. I think the Minnesota Wild would be a good fit. So, you know, obviously, I you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets would be incredible. I'd love to have Jack Eichel's incredible services. This this town is thirsting for a number one center. We've we've thought we've had him over the years. None of them have really quite panned out. So I think it'd be if you could summarize the jackets into one statement over the last couple of years, it's just almost. Almost there. Yeah, 2018-19. If they get through Boston, I think they get through Carolina. They play for a cup. Who knows if they win it? Probably not, but you never know. At least make the cup. It'd be cool to see that. This city would be up in arms. If they lost, the city would be thrilled if they you know, made it and then subsequently won. On a sad note to end the podcast, we do have to talk about one of the bright young talents in the National Hockey League. Matisse Kivlenix sadly passed away in a 4th of July accident. Um, up in Michigan over the weekend, over the holiday weekend, and twenty-four years old. Twenty-four years old. It's it's doubly sad because one, he's a young young kid, and I feel horrible for his family and his mother back in back in Latvia. But the other Blue Jackets goalie, Elvis Merzlikens, is also Latvian. They grew up together. They played hockey together forever. Matisse was his under you know basically his understudy, okay. and. You know, they were together the day it happened, and that's absolutely gut-wrenching. They were with the coach, too. Yeah, they were with Manny Legacy, the goalie coach. And I have been lucky enough to go down, and I I signed the memorial in front of Nationwide Arena. The Merzlikens, you know, him and his wife just put a big sign up there thanking everybody for, you know, all of their, you know, the the outpour of support that's gone on. You know, hashtag, you know, sticks for Kivy. And, you know, everybody hopping on social media and everywhere else and, you know, meeting at our bar and kind of getting together to go over everything and just talk about him. The kid always had a smile on his face. He was so happy. I'll never forget his first ever start NHL debut. He was uh, thrown into the fire at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And he beat the Rangers 2-1. Take take it, bread man. I think he was, what, 36 saves on 37 shots for that game? Something around those lines. And he... It's like Corpus Allen numbers. Yeah. And, you know, Matisse just lit up a room everywhere he went. So polite. Everybody loved him. His teammates. It's such an authentic display of, you know, how they felt about him. And you could tell just by the sincerity of everybody's posts and the way they talk about him and just whether they've honored his life, you know, since that sad moment happened. And, you know, it's just one of those things that if you can turn it into a great rallying point, as a city and, you know, as an organization, if you can learn from his life and honor him and use it as a positive, it's one of those things that, you know, Matisse should, he should, he will never be forgotten, but he can also be such a huge part of everything going forward because they're going to want to honor him in the best way they can. Yeah. And 
I am, you know, really looking forward to seeing how the Blue Jackets go about honoring him this year. The press conference with John Davidson and company was, you know, Yarmo. It was gut-wrenching to watch. I mean, you can see what the kid meant to the organization. And you can see it, like, the whole time they're talking, you can see, like, they're just fighting back tears the entire time. And exactly. That just goes to show, like, how tight knit, especially that goalkeeping, that goalkeeping locker room, mm-hmm. how tight they actually are and how close everybody in that organization is. Mm-hmm. And even with just the city, like, you saw how the city reacted when we mm-hmm. found out, you know, like, it's almost like in Columbus, Ohio for, you know, 24 hours, times just, you know, just stood still. Exactly. Where, you know, every, like, I, cause I remember I woke up and, you know, when I wake up, I'll wake up and like check my Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Both outlets, first thing I see is, you know, rest in peace, Matisse, Matisse Kivletics. And I'm like, well, yeah, this has got to be a joke. You know, I start scrolling through the replies in the comments. I'm like, there's, there's no way. And then, you know, I check it on, uh, I think it was uh, TSN reported at first. Yeah. Um, and they were also the ones that had the update on it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, you know, just fact checking it and, you know, for a second you just sit there and you're like, wow, all right, well, this actually happened. It just doesn't feel real. No, and it, I don't think it's really fully hit everybody yet either. I think it'll hit on opening night yeah. at Nation Arena when they have an undoubtedly incredible the um, ceremony is going to be incredible. Uh, you know, homage to him. They're planning a, a service for him as well. And it'll be first class because the Blue Jackets are an absolutely first class organization. And it's just one of those things that, you know, Matisse and what happened to him can happen to anybody. And it shows how fragile life is. I mean, he's a healthy 24 year old athlete. It's just a freak accident. And now he's gone. And it, like we've said before, it's definitely something that's hard to you know wrap your head around. But, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how the Blue Jackets honor him. And, you know, I hope they you know, do some great things in his honor because I know, you know, just as a fan of the, you know, diehard fan of the Columbus Blue Jacket, that's what he would want and he'd want to be a part of. And now he's going to be a part of it looking down on, you know, all of his teammates, you know, supporting him up there saying, you know, don't worry about it, guys. Yeah, and it's it, also be so okay. rare that, like, you see an athlete, you know, someone, whether you've met him personally or not, like, it's, it's just very rare that you see that that person have such an effect on a city or, like, an organization and a team. And, it, you know, like, I personally never met Kibby. But at the same time, like, I feel this weird connection to him, like we were friends. Almost, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, I feel like I speak for everybody in the city of Columbus when I say that we all feel the same way. You like, wa- we feel like we lost a friend. You watch these teams and like you feel as if you know them because you follow them in their professional career. And sometimes you meet them out at a restaurant or a bar, you know, running around town and they take a second to say hi, take a picture or whatever. And you feel like a, a deep connection because you love the city. And most of them love representing the city that you care so much about. So you have this deeper connected bond, which was kind of the inspiration for this entire podcast of small markets. Because small market teams, I feel like, generally have a tighter sense of community than a bigger city or bigger market would. And feel free to tell me I'm wrong, but that's kind of how I feel about, you know, being passionate about small market teams. And, you know, I think... Matisse Kavonics, you know, being a Latvian in the NHL, not a lot of Latvians make it to the NHL. And he represented, you know, his own equivalent of that small market. So we wanted to take a minute and just, you know, honor him, honor his life and pay our condolences, respects, thoughts and prayers out to his family. Um, we wish them all the best in the you know recovery and grieving process. And, you know, we wish them the best going forward. And we hope they get to come back for the uh, all the beautiful ceremonies that will be had in his honor. Yeah, I know. I think we're gonna. I think that we'll see his family at the games pretty frequently. I think. I hope so too. They'll, 
like you said, the Jackets are a first-class organization. They're, it's a group of awesome people running that place, and I think that they're going to do everything that they can to make sure that the Kip Lennox family and, you know, friends and even just the city have, you know, just something really, really cool to hang on to to remember the guy you know, yep. about. I totally agree. So... On that, on that, on that note, somber note. <laughs> on that somber note, uh, this is where we uh, say adios, my friends. We will be back to you. We're going to be doing this every week. Uh, we'll be recording on Thursday afternoons slash early evenings, and we hope to have these out on Saturday mornings. So, for my co-host Sky Ball, this has been Phil Razor. Remember, small market insecurities. We always pair well with biz.